Tonight I'd like for us to look together in John chapter 16, a passage of scripture that we will consider in part this evening and again in its fullness Sunday morning. Because really, what we're doing tonight is only a part of the story. It's not the story in and of itself, it's part of the story. As we focus on the cross of Christ, his sacrifice, his payment of sin made by his shed blood on the cross. We know that, of course, the culmination of that story ultimately is the resurrection. But tonight, let's focus on the cross. Let's focus on these words that Jesus spoke to his disciples in these moments that they shared together. I'd like to begin reading in chapter 16, verse 16. Jesus says, a little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves? What I mean by saying a little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she's delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been brought into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I've noticed myself doing something more in recent days, more than than I ever have. My kids will say something, and I'll look at them with a blank look on my face, and the word that words word that comes out of my mouth is, huh? And they'll explain themselves again, they'll repeat what they said, and and I look at them and again say, Huh? And it's not because they aren't saying it clearly and plainly. It's not because they aren't articulating themselves well. It's because I don't know what they're talking about. I'm, I can literally feel myself uh, getting older right in front of my own eyes. I'm, I'm confused. I don't know what they're talking about. And, you know, in jest, it's kind of become the joke around the house that when I get grumpy or if I'm acting this way, that they call me Peepaw. They've started calling me (laughs) Peepaw. I suppose I deserve that. Uh, You know, in this text, we have an example here of where Jesus is talking to the disciples, and they hear the words that he's saying. They 
they make sense of the, of the words themselves in as much as they know the language, they hear what he's saying, but they don't know what he means. Jesus, we hear you, but we don't know, we don't know what you mean by this. You ever feel like that? You ever feel that, that, that feeling of, I, I'm lost. I don't know what's happening. There, you know, people are saying things, things are happening around me. Another time in my life that I felt that way was when I was in college. So my, my undergraduate degree is in psychology. One of the things that we had to do in psychology is we had to take some advanced statistics courses. And I remember studying in these statistics courses, and it was the first time in my life that it didn't matter how much I committed the, the, the information to memory, I couldn't make sense of it. Up to that point, in any kind of schooling, any kind of education I'd had, what I got out was essentially what I put in. If I was willing to take the time, learn what I needed to learn, uh, do, you know, do my homework, study, I was going to make grades that it reflected the amount of work that I had put in. But when I got into some of these statistics classes, we started talking about things that I remembered to this day what some of the terms were. And even now, 20-something years later, I have no idea. A multivariate analysis of variance or a multivariate analysis of covariance. I couldn't tell you the slightest thing about any of that. I have no recollection whatsoever. And the truth is, in the moment, I didn't really understand what it was then either. Because it just didn't make sense to me. It didn't click with my brain. Well, the disciples are saying, Jesus, we hear you, we understand, but this just, this doesn't make sense, what you're saying. Jesus says, well, okay, but this is what you need to know. And then he gives them this, this bit of truth, this, this absolute essential piece of information that would carry them through the events of this very night into the coming days. Information which, by the way, still has the power to carry us. Look again at what he says in verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you. Now, when you see those words, that's a way of cluing in and saying, listen, this is important. Numerous times, as we've studied over the last several weeks through the text in John 13, 14, 15, I've pointed out places where Jesus has said these same words. Truly, truly, I say to you. In other words, guys, listen. You need to know this. You need to know this. And then he says, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice See, the thing that I want us to see tonight as we look at this is there is, a, there is a vast difference in the life of a person who knows Jesus, who is a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and the rest of the world. The events of this very evening, the things that were to transpire some minutes, some hours after Jesus was speaking these words, had the potential to absolutely wreck his disciples. Everything that 
he taught them, everything he had poured into them, everything they had witnessed together, it's as if in an instant it was all going to come tumbling down like a house of cards. And yet Jesus was telling them, guys, you may not make sense of this now, but after these things happen, you'll see, you'll understand. You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. This was a night of sorrow, a night of the deepest sorrows, a night of the darkest sorrows. And yet, out of the sorrow, hope came, joy came, and not just any joy. Notice what he says about this joy. Verse 22, you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Jesus is talking about a a joy that has power to overcome even the darkest of sorrows, even the darkest of moments, even the the worst of, of events, of situations, circumstances that we might face. There's joy that has the power. How does that happen? How does sorrow turn into joy? Can I tell you that the way that sorrow transforms to joy is through the power of the cross? It's through what Jesus did for us on that Good Friday when he offered himself on the cross as payment for our sin. You see, the cross separates disciples from the rest of the world. Those who are truly followers of Jesus. There were some who claimed to be followers of Jesus, but this very night they fell away, never to return. There were some who were followers of Jesus who this very night fell away, but they came back stronger than ever. Think of Peter, for example. Jesus is saying, You're about to go through some things, not like the rest of the world. The world will see the events of tonight and they will will celebrate. You will be broken. But I tell you this, after your brokenness, joy is coming. The cross separates disciples from the rest of the world. The cross separates literally sorrow from joy. The same event, the same event viewed from different sides of the cross has the power to take what, what might be seen as sorrow and brokenness and transform it into joy. See, on, on Friday, the cross was devastating. But on Sunday, the cross was glorious. On Friday, the cross was crushing. But on Sunday, the cross brought life. The cross separates sorrow from joy. The sorrow of the cross paved the way for peace that passes all understanding. The sorrow of the cross heightens the hope that we see, the hope that enters into the picture by this transformation that takes place through Jesus. The sorrow of the cross fades when by faith we know the fullness of joy that Jesus brings. How does this happen? 
How is this sorrow transformed into joy? How in in a moment, in an instant? Because we understand that the sorrow of the cross was not the end of the story. The sorrow of the cross was a necessary part. The payment that Jesus made on the cross is what makes salvation available to us. And yet, it was not the end of the story because apart from his resurrection, thus conquering sin and death, the cross would have just stayed in that place of brokenness and mourning and pain. But thank God, by the power of the resurrection, the sorrow of the cross was transformed into joy. See, this joy cannot be taken from us. Because of the cross, sorrow is no longer defining in your life. Sorrow no longer defines your situation. You can have hope. You can have peace. You can have joy through the power of Christ his resurrection. In Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, we read that sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. What a, what a bold and great prediction of the resurrection. Second Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes, beginning in verse 16, we do not lose heart, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There is an eternal joy ushered in by the work of Jesus on the cross. And just as he said to his disciples, the word rings true for us. The world may celebrate this. You will weep and mourn, but take heart because your sorrow will be transformed into joy. And the joy that you have is a joy that the world cannot take from you. Tonight, we want to celebrate the transforming power of the cross. That's what we've done in singing these songs about Jesus and his power. You you understand, Jesus himself told his disciples in the Gospel of John, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down that I might take it up again. And as we think of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, we understand And he laid down his life in order that he might take it up again, thus making the way for our sorrow to be transformed into joy. Tonight, that's what we want to celebrate, the power of the cross. In a moment, we're going to respond. And and we've tried to provide, to plan and provide numerous avenues whereby we can respond together and celebrate this, this power of the cross. As we sing a few more songs in a few minutes, our altar will be open, and, and I would hope that you would take this moment 
to come and kneel here at the altar in prayer and that you would make this a moment where you bow before the foot of the cross. Behind me is a cross. Now that may not be what the cross of Jesus looked like. We don't know exactly what the cross of Jesus looked like, so that may be exactly what it looked like at the same time. But the cross that we have here is a reminder to us of the cross upon which Jesus died. We would encourage you to come and kneel here in prayer at the foot of the cross, so to speak, and that you would pray that God would take the burdens of your heart and that he would transform them, changing your sorrows into joy through the power of the cross. Also, we will have, during this time, the Lord's Supper. And the way that we're doing it is different than the way that we do it much of the rest of the time because rather than passing it to you, we're going to invite you to come and take the Lord's Supper. And so there will be a station at either side of the the stage area and you can come and you may take the elements and observe the Lord's Supper together as an act of worship. Again, notice that it's, it's... situated at the foot of the cross because we're reminded that it's at the cross that we have communion with God because it was at the cross he paid the price for our sins. Also, you may have noticed these chairs that are here. These chairs are special. They're a special part of tonight's response because we're going to call these prayer chairs. Now, I know that sounds maybe a little bit corny. Let me explain. A few weeks ago, we did a deacon ordination. And as we were doing the deacon ordination, some of our deacons were seated here with their wives and and other ordained men came by and laid hands on them and prayed over them. It's a powerful moment, always a powerful moment. And I sat right over here and I thought to myself, how incredible would it be if everyone, if anyone in our church could experience a moment like this where where people lay hands on them, where people pray over them and just lift them up to the Lord. And so tonight, that's what these chairs are for. If you have a burden, if you have a request that you'd like for someone to pray over, then these chairs are here for you to come and to be prayed for. Some of our deacons and their wives will be standing by and they're gonna pray for you when you sit in the chair. And if you'd like to share with them what's going on, feel free, okay? Feel free to do that. Uh, if you would rather not, if, if it's too emotional, if it's too raw, or even frankly, if it's just too private, that you don't feel like sharing it, that's okay too. Know that when you sit in the chair, they're gonna lay hands on you and, and begin to pray over you and pray that the cross would do its transforming work in your life and that your sorrow would be turned into joy. Now, for all of this to happen, right, uh, it's going to require movement. It's, gonna, it's even going to take a little bit of time, and that's okay because we have several songs. So don't feel rushed. In fact, don't feel like, oh, I've got to just get up there. There's going to be several songs that we do yet still. And so you'll have... You'll have this moment to respond as the Lord leads you, to to be prayed for, to kneel in prayer at the foot of the cross, to celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus through the Lord's Supper. And frankly, if we get to the end of the last notes of the last song and you're not done, then we'll just sing more. We'll stretch it out. We're We're not crunched for time here. This is a moment for us to respond to the power that the cross has. And 
the transforming work that it does in us by faith as we surrender our lives to Jesus. I would invite you now to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And as we prepare for this moment, I'd like to lead us in a word of prayer. And I'd like to, in prayer, sort of uh, metaphorically, but also quite quite literally, I want to set the table, so to speak, metaphorically in as much as we prepare our hearts. But because we're celebrating the Lord's Supper, it literally is calling us to the table, calling us to the place where we commune with Jesus. That this would be a moment where we respond to him tonight. Lord, we, we believe in you. Even as we'll see Sunday morning, just in, in, in a few breaths later, you ask the question, do you believe in me? We do. Lord, we believe in you. We believe in the power of the cross. We believe that it can transform us, that it, that, that, that it is for us our hope that it is for us not a thing to, to mock or scorn as the world does but a thing to tether our lives to and our hopes and our dreams to knowing that on that cross you suffered and died for us tonight we bring our burdens before you our sorrows we pray that you would transform them into joy. Renew us. Wash over us in your mercy and your grace, Lord. May your power move in our hearts that we would walk away with a joy that the world cannot take from us because they didn't give it to us. They had nothing to do with it. Lord, this is from you. This is your work, and we trust that no one and nothing, no power can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We understand that was demonstrated most visibly at the cross where your love was poured out. Turn that sorrow into a thing of beauty and joy as we worship you. We pray in your name. Amen. As you're ready, I would invite you to move tonight. These tables are here for the Lord's Supper. The chairs, if you'd like to be prayed over, the altar is open. Would you use this as your moment to respond that your sorrow may be transformed into joy? There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide.